Welcome to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur show with me, Brenda Hector. I'm a business growth specialist helping business owners to develop themselves and grow their businesses so they can achieve their goals and enjoy the lifestyle they dream of. I'm also on a mission to revolutionize the entrepreneurial landscape for women in business. In every podcast episode, I interview someone who has an inspiring story or some great advice for women aiming to start or scale their businesses. If you're new to the show, take a moment to subscribe and please check out the previous ones after listening to this. We've got an awesome community on Facebook. Just search for Scale Her Up and join in. Today on the Scale Her Up podcast, I've got Adriana Alvarez joining me all the way from Colorado in the States. Yeah, so welcome to my little podcast in Aberdeen in the UK here. Great to have you with me. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Really good to have you. So Scale Her Up is all about women in business. So tell us tell us your a little bit about your story, how you got into business. The truth is, is I got into business because I can't have a job. I just knew that that was not the path for me. So I spent my 20s as a volunteer overseas. I never took the traditional route. And so when I moved back to the US at 28, 29 years old, I knew I had to figure out how to be myself and be compensated for it because I had not been trained in higher education. I had no desire to go to corporate America and I didn't want someone telling me every move to make and me giving them 40, 60, 80 hours of my life. And that is what inspired me to sit down and look at what do I have to offer and how would this benefit someone else? And that's how my business was born. So you were quite early in your career then that you decided to start your own business. Oh, yeah. I I had a job once. There's a joke. I had a job once and uh, I lasted three days and then I started my business. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Always knew you were going to have your own business. So tell, tell us about the business. What do you do? What I do is I help women start their own highly profitable publishing house and I help those who know they want to get their story to the world publish it in a way that does not water down their voice, does not change their content, does not censor them in any way, and really helps them achieve what they want to happen. When people sit down to write a book or decide they want to write a book, they don't want to dedicate this huge amount of time and energy and effort and not get something in return. So we identify what that looks like and figure out how we can make those dreams come true so that it's absolutely worth every bit of the journey for them. Okay, so what kinds of stories, what kinds of people are, are writing these books? Almost all of them are women who are in business, they're mothers, they're wives. Um, they have something important to share. They have wisdom that they want to pass on. They feel a strong connection to leaving a legacy. And honestly, a lot of the time, what they have to share would probably be rejected and censored by traditional publishing houses. Okay, so you get their, the true story out there for them. Yeah. And the and the benefit to them of doing that is that it raises their profile or helps their business or what, why are they writing a book? Most of the time, there's a few different things that they want to happen. And this is what we help them identify. Most of them want to be on more podcasts, bigger podcasts. They want to speak on summits. They want to be at conferences. They want to be keynote speakers. They also want to grow their business. So they have services, they have offerings, and they want to scale. They're able to scale. They figured out how to leverage their time. And so they might use it to grow their audience, to attract more leads, and definitely to 
continue to build that credibility and authority in their niche, in their industry. Okay. Be an expert in their field. Help them be an expert in their field. Yeah. Awesome. What are the the roadblocks then that are stopping them from becoming the authors? You know, I think for my clients is that they've got a lot going on. My clients run businesses. They're raising babies. Most of them are like me. They're also homeschooling their kids. Um, Some of them travel full time. And so because I've done all of those things, I'm in business with my husband, been married 15 years this, this, um, this July. We traveled full time with our babies. We homeschooled every step of the way. And so for myself and most of my clients, there's a lot going on. And what they need is a very streamlined approach. They need someone who can go, this is what we're doing, simplify it and make it a system that they can find the space for. Because the main thing is overachievers and world changers, they are always saying yes. So they have a lot on their plate. They certainly do. I think I'm sitting here nodding. I know my my clients and yeah, we, we all know those women in business that are just juggling everything because they can't say no to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And you're nodding now. So you're you've been there, done that then? Done, yeah, absolutely. Yes? And I think, you know, there's a season where we say yes to everything. And then there's a season when we also begin to refine what's most important. What is actually like for me, what I think about is will this create generational wealth? Will my children benefit from this today and in 20 years? And does this create a legacy? Does this leave something that will outlive me? That's what I'm really looking for. You've created your your publishing business. You've published your own books, I take it. Yes. Yes. So I have. you're 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 helping people follow the route that that you've already taken. That's right. I have a strong dislike for the saying, those who can't do teach. And so I make sure that I go first. So I'm a 16-time international best-selling author. I'm a USA Today best-selling author. I've written my books. I've collaborated in other books. I've written for other people. I've published under my own publishing house, other publishing houses. I have done the spectrum. I am on the path. And so I am not teaching from theory. I am sharing what I've actually done. So what have, they, what have been the big challenges that you've faced along your business journey? My personal greatest challenge was having a stillbirth at 38 weeks. And so running a very public business, being online, everybody watching the pregnancy for the entire time, and then having to make that announcement that we lost our daughter and keeping the business going, raising two little boys who were very young at the time and grieving the loss of my third child. That was my greatest personal challenge. And so how, how do you how do you cope with that? How do you continue? I, I can't imagine what that what that feels like, but you know, how did how did you find the strength to continue? I think that even in the most challenging and painful circumstances, life is always throwing us a bone. There's always a silver lining. There's always something that is there to support us. And for me, it was a couple of different things. Number one, I had two little boys who woke up every day and they didn't know that, that they didn't have a full understanding of what happened. And so when they look at me and they'd ask me for breakfast or they want to go to the park, I couldn't tell them no. The, the thing that really allowed me to keep moving was two little boys who were nonstop moving. I think if I would have had the opportunity to lay in bed and feel sorry for myself, that would have been a very bad thing for me. 
And truthfully, this happened at a very high point in my business. It was the time I had the most clients at any given time. So I had over 500 clients who were in weekly calls with me in programs. And what I realized is that if I could show up and give them something, I could help them, I could support them, I could encourage them, I could inspire them. It helped me not go into the darkest hole. And so that's what kept me going. And also keeping in mind, it's easy when we lose someone to think that's it. Like life is over. I don't know what else I have. But what I had constant reminders of is that there was still a lot of people that were right here with me who deserved my presence, who deserved my participation. And that's what kept me in the game. Oh, absolutely. I just, you know, when I do these these interviews and all we, we talk about the challenges in business and, you know, we're talking team and, and finding customers and doing their marketing and things. But then there's always these these big things that happen outside of business that has a big impact on on your ability to run your business. And as a as an entrepreneur, you don't have the opportunity to take some take some sick leave and take some time off and and come back. Yeah. You just had to you had to get up and keep going. That's right. Yeah. Getting up, getting out of bed, taking a shower and showing up for someone. It, it's honestly it's something I've pulled back and, and I've um, reached in and used many times because it's easy to get caught up with just ourselves, but we we're not really in business just for ourselves. I think every person who's really committed to their business and has had any longevity is actually here for a much bigger vision. And that's the thing we have to keep in front of us. Yes. Yes. Think of all the books and all the stories that could be told because you, you kept going. So the, the purpose of scale her up is to, put role models out there for, you know, other women in business and encourage, I, I don't know, I think the numbers aren't great in, in the States either, but here, you know, only one in three entrepreneurs in the UK are female and men are five times more likely to scale their business up to over a million in turnover than than women are. If we did match men in, term, in terms of starting and scaling our business, it would make a huge difference to the UK economy. You know, you're working with a lot of women building their businesses. What what advice do you have for women that are thinking of starting or trying to scale their business? You know, the, the number one thing that I see holds women back, and it's a double-edged sword that I invite people to look at, is oftentimes women will not grow bigger because they're afraid of who that might leave behind. So women are much more community-minded, family-oriented, connected than men are by nature. And so a man simply sees a path and says, I know how to go from point A to point B. And so he goes from point A to point B. And he doesn't necessarily take anything else into consideration. And a woman takes a lot of people and a lot of things into consideration. And this can be a good thing. And this can be a very bad thing. And I've seen women hold themselves back because they're afraid that no one will be able to relate to them if they're doing $10 million in their business or they'll lose all their friends or people might think something of them, or they could become misunderstood or judged or fill in the blank. And so what I would invite women to do is really look at what is running the show. If we are going to scale our business and we're going to have all of the income and all the impact and all the legacy that we are capable of, we have to get really honest. If the visionary 
if that brave soul who's connected to the work she's here to do, if she's running the show, or if all of her fears and concerns about what other people might think of her or might do in response to her success, is that running the show? And we have to get very honest. And once we identify what's actually running the show, then we can make adjustments because all of that dictates a million decisions on a daily basis. And for me, this is the big hole that women fall into. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I also think that probably we've, we've been thinking like that all our lives and we don't even realize that it's holding us back. The, the voice in our heads just always been there. It's part of me. Yeah? Yes, it is me. And that's, that's the catch is understanding that actually isn't me. Yes. But because when we identify, most of the time, it's someone else's voice. It's someone else's statement that was said to us and given to us at a pretty young age. And then we took it on as our own. And that's really the key is that's actually not me. Who I am is, and this is the, the thing, is there's all these outward actions that we can take to grow a business. But I don't believe any of that has the um, effectiveness that it could if we do not start with the inner game. And what are we saying to ourselves? What do we really believe? And Whose opinion do we hold in the highest regard? Yes. I was talking to someone just the other week. She was talking about her business and whether she was going to ditch the job and focus on the business full time or not. And she said to me, but, and I don't know why, but I, I'm, I'm always really worried about what my mom will think. Oh my gosh. It is, it's been the most eye-opening thing and it's been my own journey as well, but I work with mainly women who are in their forties and fifties. and. It's incredible how many are still concerned about what their mothers and their parents think of them. And actually what I do is I take that and I go, this is the power and the influence I have with my children. And I must use this wisely. I need to make sure that I am constantly directing them back to themselves because what we have is generations of women who actually don't know how to return to themselves go, is this who I am? Is this what I want? Is this where I want to go? Is this who I want to be? And it's all through the filter of, would my mom approve of this? Would my father be proud? And it's a, it's a big one to break, but we can do it. It's a very big one to break. Well, the first, the first step is realizing that it's there and then Absolutely. you can start, start changing how you think about it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you've, you've got, you, you mentioned already, you know, you've got a big online presence and that came with its challenges when you, you face something difficult in your life and, you know, have to have to put it out there. But why do you feel it's important to have such a big online presence? You know, I, I'm going to be totally honest about this subject um, because there's a lot of pluses and there's a lot of, lot of minuses. And what I would recommend, I don't actually believe everyone is cut out to have a big online presence. You have to know yourself. Because it's a wild and crazy world. And it also, it comes with a lot of negativity sometimes. So I, my share of haters, I have Facebook groups dedicated <laughs> to me in a negative sense. And um, I've had women tell me, this is why I don't want to be online. This is why I don't want to make a lot of money because I have a, I'll have a target on my back just like you do. So what we have to do is have these discussions and get really honest. So if you don't have the resilience, the tenacity, and the fortitude for that, if you couldn't handle you know, the mob, the angry mob tearing you apart, 
you might need to build that muscle. You might need to start with a smaller circle. You might need to create spaces offline first, because before I came online, I was offline for seven years and Mm -hmm. I really learned how to build strong relationships. So everything I do in my business is relational. And if it doesn't start with the relationship, I've learned it doesn't really go far. And you have to be so clear within yourself. You have to, I would say before someone really thinks that they have a desire to build a big online presence, that they make sure that they're their biggest cheerleader. Because if you have that angry, mean girl in your head and you go online, it's going to be disastrous because they're going to confirm everything you're already telling yourself. I tell people, make sure you're big, you are your biggest cheerleader and make sure you love yourself like an insane amount before you go and you know, we were talking about this in a, in a referral group yesterday. Some of us think we want these things because it's talked about and thrown about all the time. Oh, scale your business to this, have an audience of 10 million followers. But if you don't know for sure that you want that and everything that comes with, then I would start smaller and I would start offline and have a mix and play with it and make sure that the people that you're surrounded with are rock solid and they're what I call good people. So good people are the kind of people that I would actually have a meal with that I want as my neighbor that would lend me eggs and flour. And this is the lens that I look through. And as soon as I identify this is a good person, I hold them really close. And when I identify that someone might become the leader of the next angry mob, I make sure I address it immediately. And, you know, that's whether it's online or offline. When you get that message, I'm not sure that this person is right. Yeah, address it immediately. Yeah, absolutely. You made that sound a bit scary, to be honest. Who, who would want to be online if that's how it happens? So- well, here's, here's the good thing. Is this actually weed out the people who just think that it's fun to be internet famous? This is not about that. The only reason you would brave the online world and, and really go for the big numbers is because you know there's a fire burning in your bones and you are not going to get to the end of your life and not have done everything in your power to do that. So the vision must lead the way. The vanity, the ego, the all of those other things, if that's all that's driving it, then God, no, don't do it. If you've got a message that you need to get out there, that's the best platform to get that message out. A hundred percent. Well, it's really, really powerful stuff here because lots of people think that they need to be using online and getting their message out that way. But if it's not for them, then it's going to come across, isn't it? It it will. This little stick under my computer. And it says there's at least 10 ways to accomplish anything. There's at least 10 ways to approach anything. And what's so easy to happen in, in this online coaching space and online business space is we literally begin to believe that there's only one path to success and I must take it whether it's me or not, whether it fits me, whether it feels good, whether it feels awful. And there's a million ways to go about this. What we have to do is make sure we know ourselves and that we continuously be innovative and creative. That's what the truest definition of an entrepreneur is. An entrepreneur is not someone who just plugs away and fits into someone else's system. They actually are willing to look at it and go, is this the best route for me, given my makeup, given my dreams, my vision, my goals, my intentions? And this is where we cannot become just another person in the robotic rotation of business. 
break out, be yourself, do it your own way. There's a lot of paths to where you want to go. Find the one that feels the best, the one that's the most fun, the one that just lights you up and pulls you out of bed every single morning. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if that's a book, that's the route. Yes. We could, you know, not a, a book works, works a treat, I think, for the right people when they, when, when they, they want to write and write in their way of sharing it. Am I right? You are. And, you know, I think this is another thing. You know, I, I like to think of a lot of this world has a lot of fantasies, right? And so um, writing a book is not really romantic. It, it's kind of like giving birth, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's messy. It's intense. And what I tell people is, is here, there's a few ways to know if you're actually ready to write a book is number one, you know you, who you are and what you're here to do in the world. And number two, you have a practice of writing. So either you journal or you create content nearly on a daily basis. If that muscle has not been exercised in practice and someone's going to go from never creating content for anything or anyone or any audience to writing a book, uh, it's, it's a quantum leap. It probably won't happen. And so what I say is take the small steps, use the things that are in front of you, write the best emails you can write, facilitate the best meetings you can, create content for social media, you know, learn how to do live video, know how to do a great interview and practice, practice, practice. And then the book will just be a natural next step for you. Yes. Yes. And then that book, yeah. So it's going to be a bestseller and it's going to get you right up there straight away as soon as it's launched, isn't it? Yes, that's right. <laughs> it, it doesn't quite always work like that though, does it? Uh, when we do it, it does. Okay. So what, what do you have to do to make sure that it, it gets there, hits the spot? <laughs> Well, if I shared that, then, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot, truly, a lot of it is a secret sauce uh, and I'm very superstitious. And so I have certain things that I just do a certain way because we have a hundred percent track record. And so the, the main thing is, is that when you're doing a book, you have to make sure that you're plugging into that sort of success rate, right? Because the author cannot be in the driver's seat. The author needs to be the owner of their content and know for sure what they want to share. But because they have so many other things that they're juggling and this isn't their specialty, it's important to make sure that the person who's leading the launch knows what they're doing because they actually are going to carry a good portion of it. And what they don't carry, they will teach, inform, and guide the author on so that they know exactly what to do and when to do it so that they can have the success that they want. I guess it, it comes down to bringing on the experts that know what they're doing rather than self-publishing, I guess, is, is a, a route that's there for some people, but you're going to have to learn to become the expert in that field to make a real go of it. It's true. Actually, just last night, I was talking to a lady about this and I love self-publishing for the fact that you don't have to wait for anyone to say yes to you. You know, you don't have to pitch your idea for three years and hope someone says yes, and you don't have to alter any of your content and you get to keep 100% of your book sales. The thing that people have to look at because to determine if it's best for them is if they have the time and the money to do that. So this particular lady that I was talking to, she actually went through my certification process to start her own publishing house last year. But prior to that, she invested about $20,000 in learning the ins and outs of publishing her own book. And she said, you know, I can confidently say that now. I can, I can help people publish their book or they can figure it out sort of do the do it yourself. But what we often think with do it yourself is that it's cheaper 
And uh, I would say in the case of books, it is not. It's a, it's a big a big learning curve. That's it. Okay, so let's yeah, let's talk about your your business and your and your life. We, you talked about all the all the things that um, female entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are juggling. Um, how how do you get the right work life balance? I have strong opinions about this. To be honest, um, good for- good. Please share them. <laughs> <laughs> so working with thousands of women over the last 12 years, most women are never going to achieve that work-life balance that we, we speak of because their price points are so off. I look at what does it take to create the life I want, what I consider a good life? What does it take to create a good life for my kids? And I have this dollar amount in mind, right? What would it take for me to cultivate the property I'm on? What would it take for me to take care of my parents so that they, you know, they're not worried about anything after retirement. What would it take for me to grow enough food for my family? I look at all of these things and I look at that number and then I figure out, you know, I, I can't really offer a, a $99 this and that, right? So most of my services are very high end. So when it comes to books, you know, we're looking at 30,000 and up. When I look at my certification, it's 12,000. Uh, if they want private coaching, of course it goes up from there. This is how I take Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. This is how I take one week off a month. Because if I am spending every waking hour trying to get a new client and then trying to get it to add up to what is necessary to live this life, I'm not going to enjoy my life. I'm not going to be a happy mom. I'm not going to enjoy myself when my husband takes me on a date. I am going to be completely consumed with the business and figuring out where the next person's coming from, where's the next dollar coming from. And this is not a fun place to operate a business and it is no way to live. This is, this is fantastic. How do you get the right work-life balance? Pitch your value and get your customers to pay that price. How, how many people actually consider the pound, the pound or the dollar value when they talk about work-life balance? I, I think very few. I love it. Yeah, what a brilliant message. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Oh, so what's, um, we're all about women in in entrepreneurship here. What's what's the publishing industry like in terms of, of gender balance? It doesn't really, it hasn't existed in the past, right? So publishing is one of the biggest good old boys clubs. It's been that way from the beginning. There have been many people, you know, both on both sides of it. So it was actually illegal for women to own publishing houses, even in the 1800s, early 1900s. Even if the husband owned the publishing company or the um, newspaper and he passed away, it could not be willed or transferred to his wife. It went to his firstborn son. That gives you an idea of this industry. Okay. Yeah. Traditional publishing. You know, women rarely are in positions of leadership. They are typically the secretarial type level and below. And also when pitching to traditional publishing houses, women are eight times more likely to get rejected than men. So if you want to pitch to a traditional publishing house, put it under a pen name that's a man's name and you're going to have way more success. Um, And that's part of what I'm here to change. That's why I'm teaching women how to start their own publishing company, because there's not a lot of publishing houses that are owned by women which then means there's less women who get the green light on sharing their story, which means less women have platforms to use their voice. And 
I want to turn that around and say, no, listen, we don't, that's been the history, that's been the path, but we get to right now in real time, revolutionize an entire industry. And um, yeah, how do you do, by, by what you're doing that, by working with women, Absolutely. solely with women, or will you help men as well? You know, I have not helped a man start his own publishing house. I, I have done it exclusively for women for this reason. Now, I have a few men that have come in. Actually, I was on a call with a couple of them just in the last week. And they actually, like there's one of them, he's creating a book that we're going to produce and publish where he's gathering the best women he's had on his podcast, right? And so we're going to feature all women's stories in this book, but he also sees this, right? He saw it with his wife. He saw it with his mother in corporate. He saw he sees it with his daughters. And so he says, you know what? I've got to do something. I, I need to use what I know and what I see and what I have access to. So this is not about men against women. You know, Derek and I work together every single day. This is about partnering with men who go, I get it. And I'm not going to put my head in the sand and I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist. And what are we going to do to change this and how are we going to do it together? I couldn't agree more. I think as women, we can do all we can, but we're not going to make the biggest change unless we get men on board to to help with that. Yes. Which is why actually I'm looking for um, the right men to interview for the Scale Her Up podcast as well. Um, I've been podcast been going for a year and I've only interviewed women and it's time I brought some men in to help us bring about this revolution in the publishing industry for you or just in, in businesses in general to make a difference to the number of lives and you know the economies that can be changed by this. Yeah. I'm I'm glad we're on the definitely on the same page, aren't we? Yes, we are. I can introduce you to a few good ones. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. The question that I, I like to finish with, I've already asked you about what we, what you're doing to bring about the revolution, is to is, is is there something that I should have asked you that I haven't? Is there something that you wanted to share with the listeners that I we haven't covered? You know, the thing that just came to me, and it's it's not like in my you know repertoire or one sheet, so to speak, but the thing that's really been on my heart is my boys just turned seven and eight, and I it's just an absolutely fun time. I just have a blast with them. One thing that I've become very aware of is this. I can help a lot of women with their business. I can bring stories to the world. And we've already done this for thousands. But at the end of the day, if I do not leave a lasting and beautiful impression on my boys, I miss the mark. My, my best work and my greatest work is here in the home. And it always will be. Yes. It brings us back, I think, to what you were saying about the things that hold people back. That that's something that they've heard at some point as somebody else's opinion that that they've taken on as their own. And as parents or women with a voice anywhere to share the right those right words that might stick with anyone. Really important. Which then brings you right back round to the whole point of publishing and writing writing the book and sharing those words. Oh, do you see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Adriana, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you so much for joining me on Scale Her Up. We will share your your social media and everything through the, the information about the podcast and anyone can reach out and find out mo- more about what you do. So, yeah, just thank you very much for, for joining me today. Thank you for creating this space and having these conversations. And thank you for the work that you do in the world. Uh, 
right back at you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur's show. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please join our Facebook community at Scale Her Up. Please connect with me, Brenda Hector, on social media and drop me a message to let me know you're enjoying the podcast. Or even better, pop a wee review on iTunes. I'm going to finish by reminding you, only one in three UK entrepreneurs are female and men are five times more likely to scale their business to over one million in turnover than women. If we started and scaled our businesses to the same extent as men, it would add 250 billion to the UK economy and provide millions of jobs. Ladies, you can do it and we're going to make a massive difference.